From The Advocate magazine, this is LGBTQ&A. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and today I'm talking to Gabby Dunn. Gabby is an actor, a screenwriter, a best-selling author. She has a popular YouTube channel and hosts the podcast Bab With Money. She's also bisexual and polyamorous. And as she says, people really tend to conflate the two. We talk a lot about that as well as about the fluid nature of queer relationships and how what is normal to a lot of LGBTQ people can often look a little bit weird to the rest of the world. So all of that is coming up. If you enjoy the interview, please subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe, rank us five stars, leave a comment on iTunes. When you do these things, it is the biggest way to help new people find our show. Big thank you for that. And then as always, don't forget to check out our old home, After Buzz TV. They're the number one place for all your TV after show discussions. All right, without further ado, here's Gabby. Can we start with polyamory? Oh, sure. I ask because I think that that is just the next taboo that we're going to be conquering <laughs> as a society. I Maybe. People are not on board. Really? It depends. I'm bi, right? So I think that people are like, oh, that's what that is. Like, that's connected. That's oh. because of. I think they're two separate things that just so happen to, like, work well together. But also, it, you go through stages. Like, I was – there are periods in my life where I was like, okay, I have, uh, like, two boyfriends or two girlfriends or a boyfriend and a girlfriend, like, relationship type stuff. And then now I feel like I'm in a more of a non-monogamous place where it's like – you're not. I'm not going to have like a full blown relationship with another person, but I also don't long term think it's like sustainable to never like want to be with someone else. But it, it's not like I think people have this idea that it's just like you're out like dating 45 people or you're like whatever, and it's like much more boring than that. I think, and like it's it's way more. I just want to have the option. If I never exercise it again for the rest of my life, great. But I just want to like know that if something comes up where I'm like, hey, I'm interested in this person, it's not this weird movie idea of like, well, now we have to break up. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, people feel so strongly about it that even when uh, people are into it or are yeah. like engaging in it, what I hear missing from the conversation, which I think is so important, is just the level of communication skills it of requires. Course. Yeah, of course. And I don't think that a lot of people are good enough communicators to honestly like and handle it. you have it. to not be selfish like if someone says that they're okay with something and you know like that they're clearly not chill out you know what yeah. i mean like that's not your excuse to be like oh you said you were okay okay great i'm gonna go do this thing that you're clearly not okay with like i think it's requires a lot of intuitiveness and a lot of talking about i think people just don't want to talk about stuff my my girlfriend now she like saw this girl when we were at uh, a, like a gathering and she was like, oh, that – like because she doesn't know a lot of my friends, right? And she's like, oh, my God, that girl's beautiful. And I was like, good luck. No one gets with that girl. You know what I mean? And then I like went outside and I came back and they were dancing. And I was like, you did it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like um, – like because it validates to me that my partner's attractive because I was like, yeah, you are. Yeah. And like also like I'm their, I'm their teammate. Like I'm like I want – them to be happy i want to seem like it made me be like my person did that did you see what my person did and also at the end of the night like you're going home with her right so, exactly your girlfriend yeah exactly or maybe the other person too who knows but like i just mean like it's uh, it, ha it kind of makes me keep things in like perspective where i'm like there's a difference between like right like real life which is like me and her and our dog and then like 
this dance party where she's like, oh, I'm going to get that girl that no one gets. Great. I, I mean, there's something very realistic, too, about being with your partner and you both agreeing that someone's hot and talking about it and oh, then moving on. It's wonderful. I think maybe that's a queer thing. I don't know. I think so. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the straights are up to. I Anytime I've dated cis men, I, we've been able to sort of do that. Was that new for them, though? Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, some of them, I think, in their minds were like, this is great. And then once it was, like, happening or, you know, like, if, if a year or two into the relationship, they were like, I don't like this anymore. Like, now you're looking at them, too. I don't like this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think in it's like a fantasy and then when it's like a reality they're like wait a minute that's interesting like you're interested you're actually like this person it's like yeah like well we both said that that person was hot remember and they're like but now it's not about me you yeah. know what i mean yes yeah i just don't i've never understood the fallacy of pretending like you've never you'll never find someone else attractive again and that's the end of it and you'll never i just i don't know i just want to like if stuff comes up, I want to be open to like talking about it or being like, hey, this isn't the end of the relationship or – I would love to see the stats on straight people that are having these discussions more and more now. Sure. Just yeah. with the like, queer culture. Even just – even just not just like polyamory, which requires like a Google calendar and like a whole bunch of free time. I just think – I just think like re relationships in the way that we define like what things are is more fluid. But I think that it's like a, a facet of queer life is some of your best friends in the world are your exes Correct. or people you've fucked up with. Yes, exactly. And, and like I've never they're not seen out that of my on life. TV. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But also like this person meant so much to you when you dated mm -hmm. and it's nice that you don't have to cut them out entirely. We're not even like you're gay, right? Yeah. Okay. And we we walked in this room it's and very we very respectful. Knew, well, I don't know. <laughs> and we we walked in this room First time meeting, and we knew like four people in common. Yes. So when people go, how do you know each other? And I say, from gay. Yeah. Like, the, it's that small. Yeah. So there's going to be overlap. Totally. Can I ask a question about yeah. bisexuality? Mm -hmm. uh, I want to make a gross generalization. Mm -hmm. And that is that every... We're the best. Please go on. Yeah, no, that what? was it actually. That was the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> every bisexual woman that I know, uh, the vast majority of them, mm -hmm. right now they're dating women or non-binary people. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a pause on dating men yeah. just in the current culture that we're sure. in. Sure. Why would you? Yeah, well, uh, kind of. <laughs> like, do you, do you find that too? I feel bad because I definitely, when I was in relationships with, with cis men, I felt um, judged for sure. Like, I felt like the queer community was like, mm, get out of here. And and that is real. And that And I've had some pushback from fans who are by women who are married to or in relationships with cis men because or you know with straight men because they're like well this is like this is cuz i've joked i've been like you're going to date a guy in 2018 in this economy are you joking in this political climate and and what i mean by that is is just personally i went through kind of a thing where definitely like in in response to me too and in response to like personal traumas and in response to like there it was hard like there were times where like I was dating a, a guy and not even a straight guy but a, a, a cis guy but a bi guy and but there were times in our relationship where I was like I can't look at you like I I, I saw, you know I saw something on Twitter or I read something or I just watched a rape scene in a movie and you have to leave my line of sight right now and that's kind of, to me, started feeling really unfair 
to them because they didn't do anything. Like literally I left a movie with this guy I was dating and we were like in two cars or we were in one car and he was going to come to my place and I was like, go home and I am lifting to my house and I need to see you tomorrow because there had been like a rape scene in the movie. Like and and that's me personally, but that's also like, so then I kind of was like, it just kind of came together where I was like, I I can't, it's healthier for me. It's like better for, for me to not, to not have one in my home right now. I think that what's fascinating to me is that it wasn't like a group decision that everyone got together and voted no, and yeah. said no men. Everyone yeah. seems to be making that decision on like a personal sure. level. And there are, and it's not like it wasn't that guy's fault. And there are, and like I've definitely talked to to fans of mine who are by women who are in relationships with men and they're like, uh, and they feel the opposite. They feel like their specific guy that they're dating uh, is wonderful and perfect and treats them so good that that they need him around because that makes them feel better and safe compared to what's going on outside. And I f- understand that completely as well. Or that, you know, they feel like more understood by that guy than they do by the lesbian community, which can be very mean to bisexual women. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, it's not like you as a bi woman go into the lesbian community and it's all like streamers and rainbows. Like, they're not that nice to you. Like old in a stereotype. That's way. an old stereotype. Yeah. I'm surprised that you yeah. still feel it so vehemently. Sometimes, not as much now, but I also wonder how much that has to do with me being in a relationship with like a butch woman. I wonder if that maybe they were like, she's good, let her in. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know because I definitely felt pushback, especially like in its pride when we're recording this. Like, I definitely felt pushback of like bringing cis male partners to pride or. I mean, even visibly, right? Like the guy I was dating who was bi, we present as a, as a heterosexual couple. So if we're both at Pride together and we're like holding hands or kissing, people are like, why are you here? But it's like he's LGBTQ, I'm LGBTQ. You know what I mean? So like it it really comes down to a lot of like optics, which is very strange. Um, and it's also strange for like if you're in a relationship with like a trans person who quote unquote passes. And then it's like, oh, you look like – a straight couple or you look like a certain way on snap judgment. Um, And so I don't know. I But also like people think that my female partner is a guy all the time. So like we were like, you know, we wonder sometimes like if we're treated a certain way, if we're treated nicer in conservative settings because they think that she's a guy. Has that been your experience when you've dated guys in the past? Um, In like non-queer settings, are you treated differently? I, yeah, well, I think they, I think there's been some stuff of like thinking, you know, like when, like thinking that they can make a certain joke because they're like, we're all straights here. You know what I mean? And then it's like, um, okay. <laughs> or like, oh, trying you're like to, in the locker room, like hearing how they actually talk. For real. Or like going to, I went to a wedding with an ex of mine, a, a straight guy ex, and he, I was like, I want to wear a suit to the wedding. And he was like, please don't. <laughs> Because, like, I would have been the only – I mean, I had purple hair at the time and that was, like, you know, it was these girls, these, like, sorority-type girls. Although, in my mind, I was like, you're all gay. But um, but it was like, you know, I d- already stood out and then he was like, just wear a dress, please. Um, and I think, like, you kind of sneak into, like, this sort of certain type of culture sure. and then – like, you know, at the wedding, I was – he. <laughs> there were these place cards where you could fill out like a little thing for the bride and groom that was like the perfect wife does blank the perfect husband does blank and I started to 
I like took it like smiling and he stole the card from me and put it in his pocket and went, no. And I went, you don't know what I was going to write. And he was like, stop it. And I was like, you know, I could, you don't know what I was going to write. And he's like, you're going to write something gay. Don't. And I was like, fine. <laughs> but like, you know, straight people are, yeah. that's what they're up to at their weddings, I guess. Um, We're talking about all like relationships and like the, how the public sees it when you're just like privately mm-hmm. and like one-on-one, does it feel different to date uh, like across a different gender like spectrums? I'm thinking about like men are conditioned to make the first move. Mm-hmm. If it's like a woman or a non-binary person, like are you like sometimes like stuttering? Like, I don't know, like who's calling who? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was, I think it was more confused. I mean, definitely my girlfriend now, I was like chasing her and she was being a little uh like trying to be a little more like we're going on dates and i was like you're driving me insane like why aren't we like she definitely was trying to pump the brakes and i think if it was like in my experience if it's a guy i'm like that guy is like you, you know like if it's more clear if you're into each other i was trying to like get to know her and she was like let's go to lunch let's do this and i was like are you into me or what the what is going on i would go out with like other queer women and we'd be like hanging out and I'd be like, is this a date? The whole time my brain is like, is this a date? Is this a date? Is this a date? And and with a dude, you would kind of know that it's a date. And I I think a lot of times I would go for like the easier situation because I was just like, I found, I caught her, but I found like chasing these women very exhausting. Yeah. You've been very public about your relationship online. Mm-hmm. And um, one that makes me nervous <laughs> doing. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder about the choice to let people in. And like, doesn't it add pressure though? So many like hundreds of thousands of people watching. Yeah. But I also have this weird thing where if I post about someone, it's an influx. Like my girlfriend now, when we met, she had a thousand Instagram followers. And then now we've been together a year and she has 11,000. And she's like, who are these people? Why do they care? What do they want? Like, what do they want from me? And I'm like, nothing. They just want to look at photos of you. And she's like, why? Oh, because they're invested in her life now from you. Right. The other thing I think is that because she is – I think she's very androgynous and butch and I think there's not a lot of visibility for that in media. So I think that people like her – I was like, you're – I try to explain to her. I'm like, you're important. It's important for you to be visible because it's important that people see – that someone like you is happy. And that's how I feel too. Like I feel like a lot of times like it's important for for young queer kids to be like – because I was so – like I didn't have any role models. Like I was like I don't know that – I don't see a world in which I grow up. Like I don't know what that looks like. And so I like showing the kids like, hey, man, look at me. I'm by and I'm out and I'm living my life and everything's fine. And so I think like if you're kind of an androgynous kid – like she – you know, she got made fun of a lot in school and – so I was like, I think it's important for those kids that are going through that now. I think they follow you because they like seeing that you are happy and cool and dress cool and like made it out of fucking Kentucky where you're from and like made it out of being bullied for being a boy. You know what I mean? Like, And even though like she presents gener- nonconforming, mm-hmm. she's a woman and like that is an option that everyone right, has. Exactly. For sure. And like I think – but she's just a, a – a, a, like a, I could say civilian, which is so annoying. But she's like – a civilian like she's so she's confused she's like who are these people why do they why do they care why do they want my what why am I important why do they want you know she's like confused by it and even like yesterday we were in San Francisco 
and I wasn't feeling very well. Like I was pretty sick and we were going back to the hotel and we were on the BART and I like got on the train and she was like just trying to get me back to the hotel because I was like not feeling well. And um, and this girl was on the train and she was like, oh my God, Gabby, hi. And I like, you know, turn it on and I'm like, hey, so good to meet you. Like, what's your name? Like doing the whole thing. And she gets off the train. And then later I was talking to my girlfriend and I was, she, and I was like, oh, look at you. You hit like 11K. And she was like, I don't want it. You think I want to be like about to throw up on the BART and have to talk to some fan? And I was like, I don't see it that way at all because I'm just so used to it. And I'm like, this is so, this is whatever, fuck me. Like that girl this is like a really cool thing f- for her and I don't you know what I mean yeah. like I it's not my position to be like it's I don't know what, how to explain I, I think it for you though that's that's a byproduct it's not what you're going after no not it's at like all but effect. also like I don't you know if this is like her most exciting moment of her week or whatever then I don't want to be like I'm sorry I'm gonna barf in your face like so but she but so I don't even think of it I guess I've like warped my mind and my girlfriend was like I don't I don't want like I don't want to have to do that and I was like well and so then when like you said when you start dating someone you have to think do I put them on blast to all these people do I get you know now she has all this like if we split up she still has all this visibility and like does she want that I don't I I also tried to tell her in the beginning I tried to say if I tag you in something you're gonna get followers and she didn't understand it because she's not an internet person so she was like that's weird I don't what like so she didn't think it through and now it's happened you know what she, i like, mean she gave consent without yeah, knowing she didn't i tried to explain it to her so many times and she didn't think about it yeah we're not gonna break up but that's, it was that's like really fascinating but she was just like i don't think understood it entirely and was like this is fine and then now she's like why do eleven thousand people care about what i do and i was like yeah well i tried to tell you you mentioned your purple hair. You've it seems like since you've been making YouTube videos, how long has it been? Like five or six years? Four years, yeah. Four years. It seems like since then you've presented more and more queerly. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if has that been intentional? Have you just been like getting more comfortable? Well, I'm going femme again, guys. Um I just <laughs> want to announce it here on this podcast for you. Jeffrey, uh, I will be going femme again in 2019. Thank you so much. Um no, I uh well. So if I'm dating, if I'm dating a, a guy, I think I try to look more butch. <laughs> and now that I have a girlfriend, I'm like, I can look like a, a femme again and people will get it. Like, I think. Like, That's I'm so growing... funny because I would have not have described you as butch or femme. I would say you're in the middle. In the middle. I'm growing my hair out. I keep telling my, my younger sister's like very feminine and very straight. And she's like makes fun of me all the time. And I was like, oh, I'm growing my hair out and I'm going to get extensions and it'll be over for you, bitches. Um, but like I, cause I've had extensions before and like I had like long blonde hair and I actually had to cut the blonde hair off for a pilot that didn't go. But basically I had to like cut off all my hair for this show that never made it to air. It's fine. This is a great job we've chosen. Everything's wonderful. But when I'm dating a guy, I want to look more gay because I think that that's like, that I think it's just wanting to be like, just so you guys know, this is happening, but also queer. Yeah. Like just trying to like signal something and then um and then now that and then now I have a girlfriend and I am like I can be more feminine even my my ex-girlfriend who was very feminine I was very feminine when I was with her because I just was like this is they get it like we're both this is fine they get it are you uh, not to like play the therapist but like are you always basing it verse on someone you're dating like what do you like when you're single I, I guess I'm wondering um well I'm back to my natural hair color which I think is like what I 
I don't, I'm not single very often is the problem. You could have my sister on for a whole episode about that. That's her biggest pet peeve about me is that I'm not, I really kind of jump and overlap relationships a lot. It seems like you ended in a good one at the moment. Yes. Yeah. This is Because a lot of my friends who jump, it's like, whoa, avoid that one. <laughs> Keep jumping. Yes. So it kind of goes like, like, like long relationship, shitty rebound, long relationship, then like, it just, yeah, it kind of goes in that like sort of pattern of like, and then there was like overlap of like, you know, two people at one time and then one person broke up and then I was still with the other person. And so kind of like it it goes back and forth. Do you not have, not have any desire to like figure out who you are single? No. Okay. I mean, I... You don't have to. Well, because it's, because of the non-monogamy, it's not really like I'm not dating. Like I definitely would, I still had like, it's interesting because in the span of my relationship with with the straight guy I had other relationships and those ended and started and so I like broke up and got back together with the same girl like four times in the two-year relationship that I was with this dude and uh because it was polyamorous so like and then you know I would be like so hear me out me and so and so are getting back together and everyone would be like no no so like I've had I, I but there is always like a person that's around. I think I've been – someone told me the, uh, uh, the saying dead single. Do you know that? No. Where it's like people say, oh, I'm single, but they actually are like hooking up with someone or they have like someone that they're texting or whatever. And my friend was like, no, you have to say if you're single or dead single. And dead single means you're not talking to anyone. You're not hooking up with anyone. There is nothing. Because people say single, but they don't mean single. And I don't think – I think I've been dead single once in my life and I had a panic attack. Whoa. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad – I don't think it's bad. I do think it's fine like – and I do think like, oh, well, you know, like it, there is something to being actually single and not like putting your energy somewhere. But I just like need some some distraction in that area of my life. Yeah. I mean, Otherwise, I'm what would happen? Maybe I'm a genius. Maybe I'm a math genius and I just don't know. I mean, I'm obsessed with the fact that we are genetically like tribal people who yeah. live in groups and we have sex in groups and mm -hmm. like non monogamy wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. And it actually sounds like you're more in tune with that side of our like genetic history. That's a very polite way of from. putting it. Yeah, that's polite. I don't know. Well, I, I mean it. And thank you. Well, I also have like, I think I also just, there's like my friendships are very nebulous like that. Gotcha. Um, let's talk about like job stuff because sure. you are part of your career has been uh, building this YouTube channel with your creative partner. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is such a glamorous thing in the mm. world. And yet you are one of the people that I think about who are very honest about how difficult that is. Mm -hmm. uh, make Not making content, but making a living wage off of. Making content's hard too because you have to think about stuff all the time. You have to like come up with new things and you're like, literally we had a series called, is this what you want? where we would just like ask the people like, what do you want from us? Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of money in it. And if you want to do it, oh, how do I say this? If you want to do it in a way that is not soul crushing, then there's not a lot of money in it. Um, and we kind of got like into other projects and like longer form projects and um, because there was like a little bit more money in that. But but we also – I just like – I'll see the way that things are going with YouTube now and I'm just not 
interested like in this oh I don't know there's certain things that I've seen at conventions where I'm just like this is so desperate and I get really uncomfortable with like the commodification of certain things um and they're like downgrading of queer content yeah the demonetization of queer content for sure um running anti-gay ads on my shit which was not great um, and then being like, you can opt out of those. And it's like, that shouldn't, it should be an automatic. You got, everyone should opt out of that. Yeah. You as a company should opt out of it. Also though, when we talk about making money, like I think it's, it's not the outliers that are making millions. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about making enough to like pay rent and li- of course, like, livable yeah. wage. And for a long time we were, I was making my rent, which is great. And that's like, that's like ideal. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I think all the time, honestly, about the, one of the articles you wrote about about mm. YouTube creators and their growing fame and mm-hmm. how they can't afford the like lifestyles that people expect. Mm-hmm. So they're working day jobs. Yeah, I was yeah. doing Postmates at that time. Friend of mine was working at Starbucks. Friend of mine was working. Um, he's a tour guide at a museum. So like, it's like kind of front facing jobs where people will go, "Hey, I know you." oh, this is your job. Like one of my friends was like one of the most famous BuzzFeed people, and she was working at a restaurant. And, like, she would, like, go up to a table and the kid would be like, oh, my God. And she'd be like, um, I work here. I cut you off earlier, but it sounds like everything you're saying is why, like, you've now moved to more traditional medium. Like, you had a book coming um, yeah. that came out. You had another book. Well, podcasting. I mean, I, I did oh. I do the Bad With Money podcast um, and that, uh, which is funny to talk about now. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do the podcast. Um, these books and also and you sold books, TV shows yeah. those are I all mean, like TV's more traditional a, a nightmare um, because <laughs> nothing I we did like a Sundance Allison and I have sold like four shows that haven't gone but we went we did like this Sundance workshop with Stephen Falk from You're the Worst and um, which is an amazing show on FXX and uh, he was like oh yeah before You're the Worst I had sold nine shows that didn't go You're the Worst and then one of those shows they shot the whole first season and it never aired and he and Allison and I just looked at each other and we were like, this is our future. <laughs> so we were like, five more to go. Five more to go. Like, it's just like a never-ending weird thing where yeah. there's people that out here that work and work and work, but you'll never see anything they make. Do you find that, like, these traditional media outlets are wary of how your success will cross over into? No, I think they – I don't think they've ever really – although interestingly, I don't think they've ever really cared that we're YouTubers. I think they only really cared if, the, if like, the script was good or it had a celebrity attachment or – like, they've never – they've never – no one's ever been like, we greenlit this show because you're YouTubers. And honestly, like, I write I, I write um, a bit on, on a Netflix show and I'm – it's, like, the opposite where I – someone was like, do you have a YouTube – like, someone was like, I heard you have a YouTube channel. And I was like, keep your voice down. Keep your voice down. Because I want to seem like a, a, a writer, like a regular writer. So I'm like, shut your goddamn mouth. Oh, so you're selling ideas. You're not selling, like, this fan base. No. Not oh, really. Uh, interesting. And with the book, maybe. With the book – but if the idea's not good, it's not going to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's also not many uh, examples of like a crossover. I'm yeah. thinking of like Grace Helbig is like yeah, the one absolutely. example I can think of. I mean, Dodie, um, who does, she makes music and like she uses her huge fan base, um, and but also her music is good. Like I think you have to actually be good at the thing too. Yeah. But also you're not going to, I mean, I definitely have felt some pushback of like, the queerness like for sure like there's not a lot of um support or belief in particularly queer female content i've had people to my face be like lesbian movies don't sell like lesbians don't spend money queer women don't spend money 
Um, and I think that they like there was some sort of thing where like like Ryan Murphy like knighted all gay men. And then, like, now, like, you know, like, y'all have ev- all these shows. And then, like, you know, there was, like, some thing where, like, I feel like we don't have – there's not, like, a le- lesbian equivalent of that. You're exactly right. And I would also say that there is, like, the lesbian um, indication of, like, mm-hmm. chemistry and stuff in, like, almost mm-hmm. every movie. I'm thinking, like, Ocean's 8 Ocean's just 8, came out. what the hell was that? And they're, not, they're not labeling anything. And they're right. not giving us any like, indication more than, like, amazing chemistry. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to – it's not enough anymore. And like networks put on this face of like we want diversity and then they they don't care. And I think there's like a – I think in particular there is a queer female – like I would even say like bisexual and lesbian female dearth in that regard of like actual people that identify as such creating that on a level that is like top notch. Like where – where is the what's who's a lesbian? Ryan Murphy. Maybe Lena Waithe is heading that way, but she's not yeah. there yet. She's not there yet. Or and like I, there's not like a backup. Yeah, <laughs> you know? we and, can't only invest in her. Right. Or like, and I also think Ryan Murphy took a long time to get to be Ryan Murphy. I would argue that Greg Berlanti is doing very subversive things. Mm-hmm. He has ten series, and every one of them has a trans person mm-hmm. or a queer person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New, yeah. What else did he do? He's been working forever. He does all the DC shows. Mm-hmm, so the mm-hmm. new Supergirl season will have a trans woman on it. The oh, new, that's interesting. Yes, the new Sabrina series will have a trans man on it. Oh, cool. Yeah, and every DC superhero show has a queer man or woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. There's just like this weird power thing that I don't think we've we've reached yet. When I want to make something of my own that I believe in, that I think like an audience wants, and I see like these, you know, I see – it's okay. So as a YouTuber, right? I have direct line to these queer kids and I see what they want and I see what they talk about. And I I can see, I see it on Tumblr, I see it in the YouTube comments. Like I see it on my Twitter. Like so then it's hard for me to go into a room and like I get confused and like and like upset to try to like explain to this person what I know is true. It feels very gaslighting to pitch, honestly, because it's like they're like, mm, "We don't really see an audience for this." And I'm like, but I'm looking at it. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at it, you know? Because they're, like, repeating the same tropes of lesbians don't spend money mm-hmm, movies and those mm-hmm. things. And I guess there's nothing to actually test that out on. And I'm – and I'm right. They don't want to. Or I'm confused by, like – I guess I, I'm in, a, a, like, a coastal bubble. Um, but not really. I, I Because even out here, like, maybe I'm in, like, a, a queer woman bubble. But, like, it's just – I'll, like, be in – I'll I'll be talking to people who are successful and they'll say stuff that I'm like, we still say that? Like someone was like saying something about like not like, oh, I, I don't think like trans youth should be allowed to like transition or whatever. Something like to me seems like you're basic. But like they were saying that and I was like – and it was like a position of power, person in a position of power. And I was like, oh, like I'm in like a internet world where like – or like even a real world of my group of friends where like – that is something that you were like, what is it? Fucking 1999? Get out of here. You know what I mean? But that's who's in power. I love Madam Secretary right now. That has two bi characters, a bi guy who they let read as gay for like two seasons. And then the t- he was like, I'm actually bi. And I was like. <laughs> and then they have um Sarah Ramirez. <sighs> playing like a butch woman who everyone read as gay and then she was like I'm actually bi. There's got to be some queer writers in that there writers has to room. Be. Who are oh, you? They're so Who good. are you? The li- the lines that they give right? of like she is explaining how butch she looks and like <sighs> the change and transformation and it it was I was like this is a queer writer. <laughs> right. And 
Blake's coming out on that show. Sorry to spoil Madam Secretary for everyone out here. I'm like a one woman promotion machine for that show. But anyway. So he goes, I'm bi. She's like, okay, bye. That was the funniest, (laughs) cutest thing. Oh my God. I was like, what beautiful bi angel wrote this? Because it was like, he's like like leaving the car and he's like, ma'am, I'm bi. And she's like, bye, see you tomorrow. And I was like, I'm obsessed with you. Who are you? DM me. Let's get married. What is this? Yes. But like then, but then like I could see it's a CBS show, right? But like I could see other writers' rooms being like, "Well, that's too many bi characters." And to me, everyone I know is even the straight people I know are bi. Yes, and then with uh, Slater Ramirez, she's talking over Chinese food with her coworker, mm-hmm. and it's super casual mm-hmm. versus making a big deal about it. And I need you to sit down and like right. please cross your legs. The, this pilot that I did that they made me cut my hair, my character explicitly identifies as bisexual. On page three, I say I'm bisexual. There's a joke that I have a small hammer because lesbians have big toolkits and bisexuals have small toolkits. That is an explicit joke in the pilot. It's kind of funny. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I didn't write it, but that's like explicitly a joke in the pilot. And then my character in the first scene breaks up with a woman and then later on in the pilot uh, is is flirting with a, a move a delivery man. And they're like a note from an exec was like, well, why would a lesbian be interested in a man? In the year of our Lord, 2016, this happened. So like what this is what so like I come from this like wonderful big queer community. I see this like woke queer community online, and then I walk into a room and I'm like, am I in the goddamn matrix? Weird. Do people Weird. listen to you when you're in the room explaining? Um, sometimes. A lot of times they think I'm very annoying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think people um I think sometimes they listen and I think other times they think I'm some sort of weird outlier or they think I'm like a SJW get the fuck out of here person. Gotcha. And I have to work walk this line of like how much do I yell at them? And how do how do I present this? Like when someone says something so incredibly hurtful, how do I I, if and they're in charge of me, how do I present? How do I say, "Hey, man, <laughs> mm, not so good." Right, because you still want them to pick up your show and write the check. Mm-hmm. And people have egos. Yes. Oh my God, Allison and I. This is so long ago, but Allison and I were in a a, a meeting with a production company, and a guy said, uh, "Well, I'm a feminist. Like you're a feminist too. Like to me, like he had looked me up or something, and he was like, right? Don't you feel like sluts are ruining it for feminism?'" And he, I was like, what? And he was like, don't you feel like, you know, like, you're a feminist, I'm a feminist. Like, don't you feel like these girls with daddy issues are, like, fucking all these guys and, like, ruining it for feminism? And I, Allison was like, here we go, here we go. Cause she, and I was like, I don't know. I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with my dad. And I just do a lot of fucking around. And that was the end of that meeting. And, like, it took it some time for Allison to be, like, she definitely now will, like, be even more than me but um yeah it's like interesting in the beginning of your career to be like how much can you sit through before you have to be like i'm gonna say the thing that will end this deal here we go yes damn yeah with your youtube channel there's no precedence for when these things end or don't end Mm -hmm. do you think about like if you'll do this forever or not on youtube Yeah, i don't think we're gonna do it forever um i think she and i have a lot of stuff that we want to do like we are doing a lot of stuff outside of it and we're constantly working on other tv shows and um, you know, she just started a scripted podcast and I've turned in another book and, um, we have a bunch of stuff that we like can't talk about yet. And I'm working on a comic book that I hope to turn into a TV show or a movie. So we, we have like, I think both of us have always thought about the longevity of our careers. Like I used to be like, oh my God, what's the end game? What's the end game? What's the end game? And now I'm like, I hope I can just keep working. Like I want to be, I want to be like, 
keep – I want to just keep having different jobs and, like, keep working. So, like, I don't want – we never expected to, like, stay on YouTube this long. Like, we mostly we, – and I've never had a job. YouTube's, like, the longest job wow. I've ever had. You've built up a very big following. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've never stayed at a job for this long. Um, and I've never – Allison and I are the longest partnership. I've, I've never dated someone as long as I've worked with Allison. So, like, it's uh, – we, we both of us are, like – always sort of want just we want to like spread out if we just had youtube we would be screwed we want to like spread out so much that like if anything falls through we don't feel that bad about it that's what she and i when we have so many tv ideas and so many like things going on and so many different books sold and comic books and podcasts and like all these things and she kind of really taught me that like because if one thing falls through it's like for me it's like it's okay there's three other things whereas like a lot of people i know they'll have one idea and they'll be like if our one idea doesn't go like Dick Sisters, the movie, like, where we really want to make it. But I have, like, three other movie ideas. So, like, if someone's like, hey, I like you. I want to pass on Dick Sisters. I can go, well, here's three more because you can't be precious about anything. So that's why we feel about the YouTube channels. Like, we can't be precious about it. We have to have, like, you know, YouTube starts sucking. YouTube starts demonetizing. YouTube starts running anti-gay ads. Where can we go? What can we do? I'm interested in Instagram TV. Like, Instagram just released this thing of, like, making longer videos on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, I'd move there in a second. Like, you got to just diversify. I like that. Thanks. Um, we're on time. Thank you for No, no problem. Time. I feel like I, I talked a lot. No, this is great. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. If you enjoyed the interview, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We have new interviews every week. I also want to say, too, that with the midterms coming up, GLAAD wants to help you amp your voice. GLAAD is making it easier than ever to access the tools you need to vote and to help you speak out on the issues that matter. You can make sure that your voice is heard by going to GLAAD's website. You can go to glad.org slash amp your voice. That's glad.org slash amp your voice. Now, we are broadcasting from the Advocate Magazine Studios in Los Angeles. The Advocate is the longest-running LGBT news magazine in the country. They were founded in 1967. That's two years before Stonewall. You can also check out their other podcasts like The Advocates, as well as Pride.com's podcast, Work. That's W-E-R-Q. Special thank you to our partners at Panoply, our old home, AfterBuzz TV, Jason McMurdy, and everyone for listening. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I'll see you next week. 